Hello, this is Varathane. And Delphina, we're here with a little note to let you know that the newest Spider Forest webcomic collective anthology has launched on Kickstarter. Threads Creatures is a collection of 19 brand new short comics, including one by me. And one by me. All themed around the premise of Creatures. The stories are all standalone, and they run the whole range from comedic to serious, featuring everything from cats and wolves to Victorian lizards and space lobsters. The campaign will run until April 8th. Go to spiderforest.com slash kickstarter if you'd like to support it. Thank you very much, and enjoy the episode. Thomas. Thomas. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Screen Tones, a webcomic podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about tropes and how to use them. I am Rennie. I use she, they pronouns, and I make the webcomic Kate Blast. And I'm Delphina. I use she, her pronouns, and I make the webcomic Sombulus. I'm Varathane. I use she, they pronouns, and I make the webcomics Chiralt and Witchwood. And uh, so today's topic, tropes... It's a a term that gets a bit of a bad rap in media criticism, but a trope ultimately is just the word for a storytelling device or theme that recurs across multiple works. So if you have a favorite kind of scene or character archetype or relationship dynamic in storytelling, chances are there's lots of other stories out there that have had similar moments. And uh, today we're going to talk about them. So first question is uh, how aware are you of tropes while you're in the process of writing your story? And do you try to change things if you realize that the scene you're writing falls into a certain kind of trope? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, Sompulous has a lot of comedic elements. And I think most of what comedy really is for me is purposefully including tropes, um, specifically so I can subvert them or maybe mash a little fantasy flavor into something that might have been more mundane. Um, I think that that can also be a way to add humor to things. Um, Like I had a part of Sombulus where one character was on the phone trying to call for guards to help them with some invading people. And the person on the other line was one of the invaders emulating a phone tree that couldn't understand what they were saying and kind of stalling for time that way. <laughs> um, so so that was just one of those w- things that like, yeah, we all know the the pain and, and stupidity of having to be stuck on a phone tree that doesn't understand what we're saying. And, and you know, I, I think that's that juxtaposition of that trope with a fantasy setting um, kind of worked for that scene. Gotta love magical bureaucracy. Oh my god. Magical bureaucracy. Yeah, that is very much a trope that I have. Just um, having some sort of mundane thing. And then uh, people who use like this powerful magic or or something for really mundane or silly reasons. You see that a lot in Zombulus. I just, I think it's a nice way to world build and, and a way to humanize characters who have powers that we don't because, you know, or maybe show something about their priorities or history. Um, Yeah. It's, it's just, it fascinates me. Yeah. So like, I think it's very, 
important to sort of like look at your story from a a high level um like the thirty thousand foot view and sort of look at okay what are the tropes that i want in here that i'm inserting intentionally what are the tropes that are kind of like showing themselves uh naturally and how can you balance those two because i think a lot of times uh, I know for me, there were a lot of things that going into writing the story, I was like, oh, I'm going to have this thing. I'm going to have this romance trope. I'm going to have X, Y, Z. And then it, when it comes down to it, it's a lot of them ended up being forced or seemed mm. kind of forced. Hmm. So I think when you you really want to let the, one, the, the tropes that come in naturally, you want to let those shine because I think those are the ones that are going to like, uh, like, amplify the things you want in your storytelling and that the ones that are forced you need to be very diligent about it doesn't necessarily mean you can't insert them and forcefully do them but it means you have to craft the story around them in with with a with a sense of intention um so one of the things that I ended up doing was I edited a lot out of the story like it was originally gonna be like 26 chapters now it's supposed to be 15 chapters so it's a lot more concise and i did have to go like okay a lot of these tropes that i definitely want to have because they're fun i'm just gonna have to save for a future story for a future comic um because in order to serve the purpose of the plot best you need to be a little you need to pick you need to pick and choose your battles a little bit um so i think that's where a lot of the revision and changing your writing comes from is when you realize oh boy this feels forced <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i i feel like when it comes to my own work specifically like i i tend to write without any tropes in mind really from the beginning or like it's it's not quite accurate to say that because i'll have scenes in mind that i want to get to like i i feel like I've, a lot of people will have that one moment that they like really 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 can't wait to to get to in their comic and like i'll be trying to build towards that but i haven't analyzed what exactly is in the moment like what tropes are there until i'm kind of almost at it uh cuz i i like to find the tropes that i'm using organically over the course of writing yeah and uh i don't know i feel like if if i'm writing a short story or like a single self-contained graphic novel, you definitely have to be very, very deliberate and very streamlined mm -hmm. about what it is that you're including because you don't have the space to add a bunch of little mini subplots and all the different characters that, that you want on the side. Um, but for a webcomic, there's a little bit of room to kind of mess around a little bit and uh, discover kind of what you're doing as you're doing it. Um, I, f I feel like uh, for me personally, uh, for the second part of the questions, like, do you try to change things? Um, I feel like it depends on the type of trope, because once I've realized that the trope is there, I can start to think about, do I like it? And maybe I don't, maybe I don't necessarily want to tread onto certain ground, but like, mm. sometimes it's something that's really cool. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that this could be in there, but it's a very fun one. Like there, there's definitely tropes that almost serve as like marketing in and of themselves. Uh, <laughs> like for just as a random example, like the heel face turn thing where you have like a villain who has like a, 
they've been fighting against the heroes, but they have like a strong moral code of their own. And then some situation makes them work together. And then after that, they kind of gradually, slowly start to change sides. It can be very satisfying. And there's a lot of people who love that sort of thing. So yeah, the heel like turns are great. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> like, yeah, I I really resonate with a morality challenge. Like I love seeing a character who really grew up in a certain environment. They really want to do well, but they were given a bad or incomplete script. And seeing them come out of that as they learn more about the world and internalize that their worldview was incomplete. Um, and I think that can go in an antagonist to protagonist direction or vice versa. And I honestly love both. Yeah, oh, it can yeah. be so like the the face heel turn, like the reverse side, like so a, a character slowly like descending like away, <laughs> like straying from the right path. Yeah. That can be very interesting, uh, regardless of how it comes out, because, you know, sometimes it'll be, oh, they're going down a dark path. But then at the last minute, like some horrible thing happens and it snaps them back to like, oh, no, I was doing the wrong thing. Or, or that or it turns maybe, into a Greek tragedy. Yeah, maybe it doesn't, and it ends terribly for everybody. But like that, <laughs> that's are also, also fun. it's also a yeah. cool story. Or like if you've got two characters who went through the same thing, and one person goes down one path, and one person goes down another path, <gasps> mm-hmm. and you see the so contrast. Good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I that love good old that. Shira okay. zone. I, I I also I absolutely have that in Cape Blast a lot where I focus a lot with on that specific thing with uh, Antlia and Pixis where they went through the same thing and they both handle it in very different ways. Well, um, character foils. It's, it's uh, fun. They're so useful. Yeah, you get and you get to see a lot more about sort of what makes those characters tick, um, because you get to see sort of okay the different decision-making processes, even though they come from basically the same place, um, their own moral codes uh, and and, um, sort of influences from the world and on the world sort of went very different ways. It can say a lot about the story themes too. Like that, that can be a major comment, like that, that type of structure uh, really is so good. If you have a specific theme that you're going for or a message for the end of the story, like very often, you can use those characters to really embody it because you have two different arguments that are trying to rub up against one another, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, one of my favorite things is going to like TV tropes or something like that. And you go to like a generic trope and then they have the like disambiguation links, like examples of this trope include and then they have all the little sub tropes and then you spend the next six hours just looking through all of the <laughs> sub tropes because yes. you're like oh it could go this way but it could also go this way and then it gives you a reading list slash watch list that you mm-hmm. can be like oh i want to do this let me go see how they did it and see if i like that <laughs> or just this is catnip for me i'm gonna read all of these <laughs> <laughs> yes White hair, pointy elf. Is that a tr- is that a true? Yes, <laughs> maybe. If you put one of them in your story, I will read it. That's a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I have a paladin character and a bunch of angel winged and demon winged characters, so I I, I think all. a lot of my tropes um kind of. It, it, poke into religion and morality um, when you use archetypes like that. Um, and, and that's intentional to a degree, but I think when we were talking about um, what things like happen when 
the scene that you're writing falls into a certain kind of trope, a lot of the religion is super loaded. Of course it is. Um, so it's important for me to establish early and often what morality means, what, who this God is. Um, and in the context of the paladin character, what values matter to her, um, and, and, you know, if, if people are starting to assume one thing about, oh, well, she's religious, so this is what that means, you know, she's going to be homophobic or something, let people know, absolutely not, <laughs> this is where we diverge from whatever you're thinking. Um, it, it, sometimes you kind of read the comments around that. Um, I think that that can be very telling when you don't realize um, that you're going down a trope thing, but people are starting to make assumptions and, and you start looking at the comments are like, oh, oh, okay, we need to clarify that in a future page. Uh, this might be a good time to move into the second question, uh, which is, what are some pitfalls that you think creators should be aware of when it comes to using tropes? Because there are some. There are uh, definitely some some pitfalls, and uh, the biggest one is there are in fact bad tropes. <laughs> a couple, um, yeah. There's a lot of tropes out there that you can uh, that have a lot of history and background for sort of why they exist, um, the reasons behind them. Some are a little bit more uh, than the others. Um, some are pretty benign reasons, but you have to go into really understanding them. Uh, and then there are tropes that are just bad. You shouldn't do them. Um, and the one that uh, that comes to mind a lot uh, with a lot of you know, Twitter discourse or like other stuff um, is uh, the uh, the bury the gaze trope is one one example of this where it's I think the the, de the textbook definition for that is when you have you introduce a, a gay character to basically just you know, unceremoniously killed them off. Um, and that can really rub a lot of people the wrong way, especially if they're the only queer character in the story. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you have to be really careful uh, with that, with this one in particular. Um, one of the big things to keep in mind is that, you know, you, it doesn't mean you can't go and kill your characters. If even if they're gay, it is, you have to have enough other characters. You know, ha you can kill a gay character, but make sure you have a couple others that that do get their happy ending, um, that do get you know sort of the the happiness that they do deserve, um, because you can absolutely you know tell those stories uh, in a right way and a wrong way, and I think that you know you got to be very very careful when you're treading on onto things that are like this. Yeah, that's so true about not having just a single member of a group because you're kind of putting everything on that character. You are. And that's when you're reinforcing some stereotypes you might not want to do. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's also uh, another another example of a trope that like does not really have any good examples is fridging, which is where like a female character gets killed off solely to advance the storyline or character arc of like a male character, usually like they were the love interest uh, or something. And then maybe the guy gets really, really mad because his lover was murdered and that like sparks his whole character arc. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's happened in a lot of different types of media. And uh, 
the idea of like killing off a character solely to advance somebody else's arc is in itself just kind of flawed. <laughs> like it's a bit of a waste of a character because it means that this is a person who whose development is ultimately not going to advance any further. And all of it is now in service to another character. And then the fact that it always seems to happen mostly to women is just another kind of crummy side of that horrible coin. <laughs> so it's kind of a don't don't use that one. If if you feel like you might be treading close to it, like try to try to rethink it. Like look look closely at your plot and see if there's another way. Yeah, absolutely. I I think we're all marinating in tropes, whether we like it or not, from what we see in mass media and and everything. Um, and it I just think it's a good idea to watch your influences uh, because we we all have grown up around a stew of really, really hurtful ones. And you can definitely repeat those without even knowing sometimes, I think just watching, like really thinking about, okay, if I'm going to do something horrible to a character, if I'm going to do something that reminds me of something else I've seen in media, where did that come from? Why am I perpetuating it? Is it something I should be perpetuating? Like, just think about some of those things. I think that's that's one of the pitfalls um, that you can you can kind of get into. And it's not always like bad, like killing or hurting people. Sometimes it's just like um, racial stereotypes, things like that. Um, you sometimes it's it's just you you have that in your mind because that's what media put there and um when you're dealing with real life groups just think about okay how would that feel to have every single instance of a character of my gender or my race or whatever portrayed like this and you know maybe that's not something you want to do no um and i think it's it's an interesting thing to talk about sort of the the way that we consume media especially in north america um where we have uh going back all the way to like the Hayes code era which really shaped the way that we view stories even to today where some of that you know that that era still remains um where it was a lot of these things that had to be they've relied heavily on certain tropes for like all the gay characters have to be villains or you can have these, you know, sort of things that they deemed, you know, not moral or pure or whatever based on this specific code. And they all like pin them on certain tropes that people generally assumed negatively. Um, So it's very good to sort of look at some of those older stories. If you're consuming a lot of stories from, you know, a long, a while ago to look at them with that lens of, okay, how is this uh, a product of the time? Or is this an intentional storytelling choice that they made? And why? Yeah, it's, uh, there's, (laughs) there's definitely a lot, a lot in there when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, One thing that I wanted to mention for the trope pitfalls thing, which is definitely related to that idea of media saturation, like that we've all taken in things around us and it's influencing like how we write and also how we read on some level Uh, as kind of a, a lighter example, but something that affects a lot of fantasy work specifically, the extreme popularity of Dungeons and Dragons and of Lord of the Rings have kind of put like a, a gravitic weight 
on the whole genre. And uh, when you create a story and it's in a setting that looks and feels especially like a, a kind of Euro fantasy, especially if it has like people with pointy ears in it or people who look kind of like dwarves, um, a lot of readers will kind of enter the story feeling like they already know what kind of setting it is. And this can be a, a, a good thing for the creator if that's the intent. Like if mm -hmm. you are, in fact, making a story about your D&D &D adventure or something like that, then that's cool. You have saved yourself a ton of work and effort like in world building because your readers already know like what they need to about the setting. And you can just kind of have fun with the story after that point. But if you were trying to tell a story that is not in that kind of setting, uh, you will have to spend a little bit of extra time kind of picking apart where readers are making assumptions about the way that things work. Like if you don't want uh, people to assume that every time your like mage character casts a magic spell that they've used up a spell slot or that has cost <laughs> them 30% of their mana. Or oh, no. What hit points do they have uh, left? <laughs> not that I'm speaking from example or anything, but <laughs> while I was working on Tyralt, sometimes I would have people try to name specific D&D &D spells that they thought a character was about to use. And I was like, sorry, it's not like that. That's not what I'm doing. You mean, here. You mean Kieran doesn't know uh, 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 Eldritch, Eldritch Blast? No, I don't even <laughs> know what that is. <laughs> uh, we'll have to play some D and D sometime, so you know. But that's the thing too is that I've um, I've met some people like who read these things, and if they don't play D and D, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, like if you don't have the the shared context for whatever tropes you're using, you know you're going to be alienating some readers and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily bad to have your own little niche, but like, yeah, it's not, uh, or I think a lot about the American high school experience. There's a lot of people who want to show like American high school or American college or like some kind of school setting. And that is vastly different for international people like everyone has a different school experience and you can't necessarily assume that everyone will know when you show a big beefy football player walking down the street that oh he's the bully like that that's something that requires a cultural context and especially in the context of web comics like we have international audiences because we are on the web so that's a thing to think about it's funny that you mentioned football specifically because as like I I'm Canadian and there's a lot of very similar there's a lot of similarities between <laughs> the culture in Canada and the US but that high school football thing specifically does not really cross over and neither do cheerleaders. I thought that they were just something invented by movies for a very what? long time. <laughs> you made up cheerleaders in America? Oh no, they it actually was just, exist. Like, a cool thing. Yeah, I took a. It took a while for me to realize that because it's just not really a thing here. So well, nobody well, is like. There's no like thing on the side like color guard or or like nope. flag people or or uh, maybe I feel like there's probably some schools that have like a club that does it as a fun extracurricular but none of the schools that I ever went to had it this would be like a that's so crazy yeah marching bands tell me you have marching bands uh I know what a marching band is they're, they go in parades sometimes oh my god I am learning so much today <laughs> right 
They don't have marching bands, Randy. Not, not for no, schools uh, specifically. That, that, it can be like a community center or a church run thing, but like every high school really... in America has a marching band. Every single except, one. Except the one that I went to, but, but that was because we were too small. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I yeah, that learned a lot of things. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> but it's that it's definitely you got to keep that in mind as to like because like some things like culturally that you that you might think is shorthand, like someone reading in Canada, I guess might not get it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I even watch if you... movies, so I know what a cheerleader is, but that's that's why yeah. it's because of movies. <laughs> Yeah, or even just like football, like in America, we mean something and then the rest of the world, they mean something completely different. Yeah. So, yeah, just uh, keep Australia in mind. Australia laughs in rugby. <laughs> yeah, I, but that's the thing, too. Even like if it is the same sport, like it is perceived in different ways in different mm-hmm regions like in some places like hockey is a very big deal in california it is not a big deal we know what it is it's probably the same sport but like there there's a whole culture there so if you're telling me about like your your story about hockey players that's not going to resonate as hard with me as a californian because i i just don't have the context for it and I think another thing, too, is that um, especially when you get stuck with um, tropes that you know and love, you might be like just putting together a whole bunch of trope soup, but there isn't really substance behind it. So, uh, like, yeah, I just I think a lot of fantasy writers, I go back to the D&D stuff, like they think about, well, here is our quest and here is here is our party and here are the character archetypes that make up our party. Here's the tank. Here's the DPS. Here's the whatever. And and they don't think about the plot beyond that. And that can make for a really stale reading experience, especially in the context of webcomics where we have so this story might take years and years and so you know really think about what makes it unique what makes it special what can you bring to the story um so that if you got rid of all the tropes what kind of characters are you left with what kinds of stories are you telling i think that's really important yeah um and i think that that it's interesting you mentioned sort of the party dynamics part there because i think a lot of people you know when they're making stories can sometimes fall into the trap of well you know like you said you know this person's a tank this person's a dps this person's a healer but not go too much into detail and i think if you miss that you're missing out on a lot of really fun character building that you can do Mm -hmm. um because by sort of either pigeonholing into a role or like just slapping a role on someone without thinking about it too much. Cause you can have like that structure, but it's like, okay, is the person the healer because of something in their personality? Are they typically like the person that like is going to step out and protect everyone else? So is that why they're the healer or they're the paladin for that reason too? Um, or are they more of a like sort of sneaky like behind the scenes kind of person and then they fit a certain role? So you got you play with your characters first and then assign the roles later if you want to. But I think I want to I definitely think it's important to have sort of that background for the character first before the roles. I feel like almost uh, on top of even that, uh, one of the things that can be the most valuable as kind of the 
the glue or the matrix that kind of holds everything together is the underlying theme of the story, because that's really where um, you can pick and choose the tropes that you're planning to use. Uh, often things will like the, the final product will come off the stronger if things are chosen deliberately to support some sort of specific underlying theme, whether it's about hubris or environmentalism or like something like, is there something that you're trying to say with this story or is there like a, a general mood or a vibe that you're trying to go for? Mm. And how do the tropes that you're choosing play into that? And how do the character arcs comment on it in some sort of different way? Because if it's just a, a collection of completely random things with no like association to one another, except that like, I thought this would be cool to include like that, that can be fun for a while. But at a certain point, um, readers will start to feel like they want to see the story going somewhere, at, at least if it is a story that is meant to, because obviously gag comics are kind of their own, their own beast yeah. that are a bit exempt from that. I'm so glad you mentioned hubris because that's one of my favorite like themes to play around, especially <laughs> in, a, in in that kind of fantasy setting. I'm a big sucker for magical powers, but I also love people watching people learn magic, have magic misfires. Um, I think there's something very humbling about showing someone like that interesting contrast between a very inhuman otherworldly power coupled with human flaws i think there's like so many tropes that come out of that that i love yes i mean i mentioned it specifically because it is in fact one of the tropes that i'm playing with a lot in my current comic and in the yeah. previous one for that matter hmm. Hmm. <laughs> maybe hmm. you have a thing for that maybe <laughs> i don't know what other things do people have things for? I am oh, an absolute sucker for the power of friendship. You will yes. get me, you will get me every single time with that trope because uh, it, it, it's it's such a it's such a you know basic kind of uh, trope, but it's there's nothing more triumphant at the end for me than seeing people just get by with sheer force of will and hope alone. Of like, yeah, you you may be this big giant demon, but we're going to defeat you because we are friends. <laughs> or like I was talking about this on another uh, on another thing where, you know, there's a, a show that I really like called Symphogear, where it's basically just the entire pur purpose of the show is, you know, fully optimized and weaponized uh, uh, power of friendship, where the main character literally goes up to every single bad guy. It's like, I do not want to kill you. I just want to give you a hug. Is that okay? <laughs> oh, and, yes. And it, it, and it ends up working in the first season. Like, they get all the way through to the through the final boss with the, I just want to give you a hug. And, like, there's something really powerful about, about that, about sticking with that, like, eye for friendship and hope even when everything's going to hell. Um, that is, I, I am the biggest sucker for that trope. <laughs> I feel like that was part of where Undertale really kicked off so much because like uh, maybe less so the power yeah. of friendship, but the power of compassion and mercy as yes. being like the actual game mechanic, like really subverting like what people expect from a game. Like, oh, you're facing a against a boss enemy. Like you want to hit them until their HP goes to zero and then you win. But like that was not the format that the game took at all. And I think that was one of its biggest strengths was in kind of 
surprising you with like how compassion really is kind of the way forward to the best ending. But one one of the things that I find really cool with the power of friendship stories, but potentially a problem if you get towards kind of the end of it, uh, sometimes there'll be a story where it's like the creator doesn't quite realize that that is the theme that they're working on, or this might be more of an issue when it comes to like TV specifically. It can get very frustrating uh, when the characters are thrown into like a final fight and it doesn't feel like there was any thought put into how it ties in thematically. Um, like, especially when there's something like a, the main character's strength is coming from their friends, but then in the final fight, they do all the work by themselves it can yeah. feel kind of unsatisfying because that fight has kind of failed to live up to the promise of the theme itself. Like they're, they're telling you your, your power is in your friendships and in your connections and bonds to other people. But then if the, the people making the story get too carried away with like, Oh, but we really wanted to have like a cool laser energy beam. And we want this character to be the badass. like that undercuts it in a way. So you have to be careful like I, that's kind of what I was saying earlier about being careful in ch- picking and choosing your themes, because sometimes a trope that you think is cool might actually undercut what you're trying to do if you use it in the wrong place. Yeah. And I think one thing that we had talked about before is that you just get like a trope in your head that you've seen other places and you really, really, really love it. And you really want to find a place for it. And sometimes there is no place and you kind of mm-hmm. have to like let that go and um and exactly what we said, just set it aside for the next project. Because there will be more projects. There will be more projects. I know what is for, your favorite trope, Delphi? Uh, for me, well, like, I love magic stuff. Um, I, I made a shapeshifter character. I didn't really plan on this, but, like, I found out I had a lot of opinions about shapeshifter archetypes. Mm. Um, they're, they're so often, like, very morally flip-floppy or or just downright evil um and maybe slimy or untrustworthy they're liars and i don't know i didn't really like that so i really wanted to to play with and subvert that kind of thing like could i make a shapeshifter that that has a moral ethic that has some sort of some sort of moral core that that makes her act the way she does or or just things that she does and things that she doesn't do and why and i just uh shapeshifters man i didn't know it, it just <laughs> blindsided me like, just like so, oh oh no i need this i need more of this <laughs> yeah ever since i did that i started like watching other things you know there's x-men there's like she-ra there's there's shapeshifter characters and they're all the same when you like really take a look at them like just this whole loki persona of you know i'm i'm above it all i i can be anything i want and that means i'm nothing and it's just like yeah i i think i think the 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 key that you mentioned there was the subversion of the trope because like there there's a certain there's a camp out there that that believes very much in the well yeah if you're doing a trope you have to follow it to the letter and i'm like you don't have to do that the tropes are guidelines not rules um and they're there for you to play with them and change the trope if needed to fit your story and i think that that's very important for like what you did in order to find enjoyment in it yeah I mean, and there's there's no rules in web comics. You can do like whatever the heck you want. So it it's nothing just... is true. Everything is permitted. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Though. 
know. <laughs> and and it's just fun. It's it's fun to play with things that um like you might not have the opportunity to do. Like if you're working on a big TV show or something like that with lots of different writers or or something, there's going to be so many cooks in the kitchen that everybody would have a different interpretation of like, well, here's the Superman trope and this is what it means to me and this is what it means to the next person and blah, 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 blah. And you do kind of lose um, that thematic core sometimes. But one of the nicer benefits of um, being solo um, when you're when you're writing this and you're crafting this is that you really can stay true to that core. Yeah, definitely. What is uh, what's one of what's some of your favorite tropes, Rennie? Uh I mentioned uh, the uh, power of friendship. I'm a total sucker for that. I'm also a total sucker for the five man band structure. Um, I, I love that sort of as a as, it's an, a very easy shorthand to sort of, you know, get into stories and get, and you can get some really cool character dynamics there. Um, for, uh, for, ba- for those who don't know, basically the five man band structure is basically, you know, you have like four or five people in the, in the group and like, they all sort of have their roles, but it's that the roles are very loosely defined. So let's like, I think the ones listed off are like, uh, the leader, the Lancer, the heart of the party, the big, the big one and the smart one. Um, and it's always fun sort of mixing and matching who you would expect to be in those roles and like go in and subvert those roles. Cause like you can have sort of like a non, a, a non large big guy, like where they, they're, they're big guy in more, more in like, you know, what they can do, not necessarily size. Um, so I think it leads to a lot of places that you can do to like, change how sort of that trope works but also you get a lot of really interesting character dynamics like say the leader goes off and does a thing and then you get to figure out okay what does the rest of the party do when the leader's not there or like when they're missing a certain piece um and how all those pieces sort of fit into the whole and i think that can also sort of power up the uh the power of friendship uh, side as well so maybe that's also why i'm a sucker for it too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, archetypes are a lot of fun to play around with because there's this like intriguing blend of like just enough vagueness and just enough specificity that like you can give readers something to assume and then undercut it fairly in a fairly straightforward way or just kind of have fun playing into the, I don't know, templates, I guess. Because uh, I, I feel like uh, something that we, we've mentioned it before in the episode that like playing into a trope is not bad, but even if something gets called cliche, I don't think that's always a reason not to do it because very often things that are popular are popular for a reason because people Mm -hmm. like them and enjoy reading about it. Yeah. I think the part that kind of gets people in their head, like, Oh, tropes bad. I can't be predictable or I can't be, you know, they can't see where I'm going. I have to have these secrets and mysteries. And like you, there's always going to be something that, that will be new or exciting to your reader if you're bringing your own authentic voice to it. So you really don't have to worry that about that, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. just gotta have faith that, like, if you're telling it, you're gonna you're telling it your way. There's gonna be something new that you bring to the table. And if people predict where you're going, that's also fine. That means you're doing your job as a storyteller. Hell yeah. I mean, we talked about that one in the spoilers episode, but yeah, I'm very happy when people predict plot points. It's very fun. Because <laughs> then you go, oh boy, I laid everything cor- down correctly. Yay. Yeah. 
What about you, Thane? What are your favorite things? Oh, I have a couple that are <laughs> my shining stars that will be in everything that I read or glowy write. Glowy eyes. And most things that I read. Yes, glowy eyes. Uh, <laughs> more specifically, uh, anything involving a super-powered evil side. Um, oh. I mm-hmm. love them. Uh, there's So there's a, a YouTube series called Trope Talks. And uh, they released an episode about superpowered evil sides very recently. And I was just like watching the whole thing being like, yes, I love this. I love this. I love this. I love that. I especially love um, the the kind of scenes where like a character has snapped into their like feral or crazy evil side and like all their friends have to fight them to try to bring them back to themselves. It's it's absolute catnip for me. If you have a story <laughs> with that in it, recommend it to me immediately. I'll eat it up. Um, I just, I love it. Uh, another, another one that I really like is the like runaway experimental super soldiers. That one's fun. It's yeah. kind of a, a lot of variety in there and I enjoy kind of that, that whole archetype. Yeah. I think, I think those, those are really fun tropes to play with that you, that you've, that you mentioned there. And I think, uh, they definitely have, I think the thing that, I guess to wrap things up here is uh, don't be afraid to use tropes. Uh, they've they're used in sort of everything that that's out there. Every story has them, so don't be afraid of them. But make sure you sort of go in with a healthy understanding of sort of why those tropes exist, where they come from, and how they can either positively impact your story or detract from the things that you're trying to say. Um, and just go in with that awareness and have fun with them first and foremost. So uh, I think that is going to be a wrap. Uh, I have been uh, Rennie and you can find my work at kateblast.com. And I have been Delphina and you can find my comic Zombulus at Zombulus.com. I have been Varathane and you can find my comics at chiralt.sevensmith.net or witchwoodcomic.com. And we'll see you later. Can we just talk more about power, power, friendship? Because I could just, I could go on with the for that. Thank you so much for listening to Screen Tones. Please subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at Screen Tones Cast.